Let's join in prayer before we have the word read and ministered. Father, we do ask that the scriptures may be a blessing to us this morning, uh, that what's already been read from them may have been of edification for us, but also now as we read from Galatians and as we hear about Christ calling to us to, to freedom and liberty, uh, may we, Lord, be blessed as we receive this portion of your word so that we would respond as we should in the freedom that Jesus Christ wins for his people. We'd ask that you'd hear us in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to turn to Galatians 5, 13 to 26. I mentioned that this song that we just sang was appropriate also because it talks about walking at liberty because like truth I seek. Uh, liberty, freedom is certainly something that's uh, a focal point of the message today is the Apostle is mentioning to us about how Christ calls us to freedom. And as I mentioned before, this is an anticipation of or prelude to looking at the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, which is also found here in Galatians 5. And we'll hope to be able to take other passages from Scripture that deal with these characteristics and, uh, and uh, focus on those in the weeks to come. We read from verses 13 to 26 of Galatians chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And there is a text, you might say, from which everything else is springing today. Uh, it's verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. May God's word indeed be a blessing to us this day. <clears throat> Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if the boys and girls 
you are here today, have ever wished uh, that mom and dad would just let you do whatever you wanted to all the time. And that way you would never get in trouble. Seems pretty nice to think of that. Well, I remember once, boys and girls, I remember seeing a father grab their child just before that child was going to run across a busy street. And when he grabbed that child, that child started crying because he didn't like it that his dad kept him from running across the street. He cried because the parent wasn't going to let him do what he wanted. He wanted to cross that street alone. He wanted to do it right then. But he wanted to do it before it was safe to do that. The child didn't know that. The child didn't realize that if his dad hadn't snatched up that child in time, that a truck would have run over him. You see, a mother or father who doesn't care what we do is a mother and father who does not care. They don't care enough to discipline. They don't care enough to discipline you for wrongdoing. Having freedom without control is no freedom at all. And that's, that's true about the freedom that we have as Christians too. Jesus makes us free. But that doesn't mean to just do whatever we want to do. Because that just isn't true freedom. Jesus makes us free to do what He wants us to do. And that's to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And He calls us to be free that way. And that's what our sermon's about this morning, about the freedom that Jesus gives us. It's a, it's a freedom from legalism, trying to save ourselves, freedom to battle against ourselves so that we don't just do whatever we want. And it's a freedom to serve God. People talk often about maintaining or defending freedom. And most of those cries have to do with civil liberties of some sort based on civil law. In our country, we have the Bill of Rights. And we, 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 we think about freedom of, uh, freedom of assembly and the press to worship, speech. And, and those kind of freedoms should not be taken for granted. That complacency can do that, injustice can, and decency, ignorance and evil will quickly remove those freedoms from a land. Spiritual freedom, however, can continue amidst opposition and evil. You know, if it was Noah versus the world as it was, or Israel versus Canaan, or Christianity versus Rome, or, or in our modern times, the freedom that's in Christ can, can persist even if civil liberties would be minimized. Because when the sun sets a person free, he's free indeed. People might be bound physically, but the Word of God cannot be, and in that very real sense, neither can Christians. As we look at the fruit of the Spirit over the next number of weeks, it's good to see that this fruit is tied to the spiritual freedom to which Christians are called. By Christ. Freedom in Christ. The Christ whom they are to believe, but also to display in 
fruitfulness. Defending civil, civil liberties, properly defined, is legitimate. And yet Christ's calling to freedom in Him is to be our priority. And it, and it sheds light on what true liberty is in all facets of life. And for what has Christ called us to be free? Against what? And for what? what? You really could look at this, as we mentioned earlier, in a kind of a balanced way. The Lord doesn't want us to be legalists. The Lord doesn't want us to be licentious. But He does want us to know the freedom of serving Him and serving others within the church of Jesus Christ, serving the neighbor in love. So we're going to be taking a look at those, those thoughts, and, and it really does lead, those first two points are kind of the negative sides, and the third point's really kind of the positive side. It's, it's, it's that sweet center again, that, that balance that we're supposed to be finding in the Christian life, avoiding the legalistic side and avoiding the licentious side, because that's a lot of what Galatians is about, Galatians, the book of Galatians is about. So we're going to look, first of all, at that question, uh, freedom from what? And the answer to that question is legalism. So much of Galatians is about that. We didn't even read the portion earlier in chapter 5 where there's a, a, a big portion there that's talking about how the Galatians are being legalistic. But he's been writing, has the Apostle Paul, earlier in this letter already to the Galatians about how they've been bewitched, how they've been deceived. He's been steering them away from this legalistic view of salvation, whether it was the need to practice circumcision, like some people said, you've got to get circumcised uh, if you're going to be a Christian, or whatever work it was to make a person right with God. We, we recall, don't we, that Galatians 2, verse 16, where uh, the Apostle Paul hammers this point home in triplicate about the fact that we are not made... Uh, we are not justified by what we do. And we know that when there's these triplicates that come up, you know that that's a, a superlative, isn't it? It's, it's not just good, it's not just better, it's best. It's, it's pointing out with great stress that we have to understand that we're not justified by doing the things of the law, but only in Christ. And it comes in three ways here in this Galatians 2 verse 16 verse. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. That's number one. So we also have believed in Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. That's number two. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That's number three. In triplicate, to drive home the point that legalism is not the way to go, where he says that one cannot be saved by works of the law, but only by the righteousness of Christ that comes by faith. So when Paul is talking about being called to freedom in our text, you have been called to freedom. When he's saying that, when he's making that point, he was calling people away from a legalism that was going to enslave them once again into believing that they had to do something to be made right with God. And he steers them away from that because he said, you know, only Jesus does that for you. And if you go back to those thoughts, says Paul, what you're doing is you're going back to hopelessness. You're devoid of God's favor. You're going back to a life that's full of misery because you think that, that you're supposed to put on the yoke of God's law on yourself. He mentions that earlier in the chapter. 
You can't wear that. that you can't bear that yoke. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to bear the yoke of Christ, which is easy and light. And so life in the Spirit, the Christian life, isn't legalism. It's not legalistic. We're tempted to fall into that trap. Even if we've heard the gospel of grace, and we deceive ourselves into thinking that we've got to get to the point of being good enough. And worthy enough. And that we can win our way, or we need to. And by nature, in our pride, it galls us that we have to admit that we need somebody else. We need somebody else to do something that we cannot. And then we have to admit not only that we're not good enough to save ourselves, but that apart from Christ, we're simply not good. We're not. That we're slaves to sin, that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. And that truth slaps our pride around, and we don't like that. You know, if you've ever been in a hospital and you had some operation done for you, and, and uh, it can happen. It happens happened to me, where I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't even put socks on. And somebody else says, well, I'll come and put your socks on. And you just go, somebody else has to put my socks on. You know, we don't like that. Somebody else has to do something that we can't do. It slaps at our pride. Well, Christianity can slap at people's pride. Not They can be offended at Christ, but they can be offended because... They, they're told they need Christ. We'd rather have a religion where we can try to be good enough to save ourselves, to please the gods. And even when we're exposed to Christianity, we still want to, we're still tempted to make Christianity into that I gotta get good enough kind of religion. There's no freedom there, there's no joy there. And a lot of people who are waiting to get good enough live miserably. They're burdened because they know they're not good enough. And all they can stress is that they're not good enough. If we were talking catechetically, if we were talking about the catechism, we'd say, you can't get past the first part of the catechism where you realize that you're a sinner. And that's all you dwell on. We've been called to be free, but we're not because we try to find our freedom apart from Christ. And then we remain without God, without joy, without hope, because we're always trying to be good enough. We're trying to gain His favor, and we never get there because, well, it's because only Christ is good enough. And He's more than good enough. He's perfect. And that's what we need is. That's where we're supposed to be directing our attention, not to ourselves. We're still being self-centered that way. We need a center on Christ. We can't reach God's favor because apart from Christ and His Spirit, we're slaves. And, and legalism just compounds the problem. Because it's a dead end of practice. It doesn't get you anywhere. 
it manifests pride before God and man. I don't need you, God, to save me, and I'm better than others because look at what I've done that others haven't. And so apart from Christ, we can be proud for what we do uh, for God when we have no right to be, and we can turn our nose down in turn and look down on others when actually we're no better than they are because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So who are we to brag? We need to hear Christ's apostle Paul say to us, by grace I am that I am, and take that statement on our own lips. You know, the joy, humility, thanksgiving, and freedom we can know and, and should know is that we've been called away from legalism. You've been called to be free. And so we leave that behind and we press forward. And we may think we're too evil to be saved. But God's bigger than our evil. And He's bigger than our past. May we all avoid the desire to rest in legalism because there isn't any rest there. It's just a burden. It's miserable. And you see people who are miserable. Who take that approach. They're miserable. And Paul saw it in Galatia. We're tempted to live under its burden. If you wait to be good enough for God and Christ, you've got a long way. You need to see that Christ has been good for you. That's the gospel. That sets you free from legalism. And Christ has called you to that, says the Apostle. He also not only calls us to be free from legalism, but he's also called us to be free from a false freedom. And that's what the, the passage speaks to us also about, uh, doesn't it? Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And he talks about the flesh then. Don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Because they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 17. The false freedom is to say, I get to do now whatever I want. We're called to a freedom instead that battles against ourselves. What are we freedom free against? We're, we're battling against ourselves, against the flesh, against our sinful desires. The foe in political freedoms fight is taken up by armies or nations or parties, political parties. But the battle of, of spiritual freedom against the abuse of freedom that comes, uh, the I should say the battle of spiritual freedom is the battle against the abuse of freedom. And that comes when we when we come to know the freedom that Christ wins for us by His righteousness. Because we say, well, He's He's, want, he's been our all in all. He's been our righteousness. So that means I can, I can do whatever I want. That's the logic. It's like Romans 6 would say, I'm going to sin so grace can abound. If I'm free in Christ, I'm free to do what I want. And that attitude of having license to do whatever I want is just as deceiving as legalism. Because freedom in Christ is not just a freedom from trying to save ourselves. Freedom in Christ is also a freedom from destroying ourselves. Because that's what licentiousness does. 
The Christian life of freedom is neither legalism nor license. It's a freedom to battle within, to battle your sinful desires, right? The Apostle Paul said, or Apostle Peter said the same thing. When he said that our battle should not be with our spouse or our employer or our parents or our government, the battle lies within. It lies within ourselves as we now have the freedom under the power of the Spirit to fight the good fight of faith, to battle the sinful nature. Because it, it was when we were apart from the Spirit that we wouldn't battle. And we'd just be simple slaves to sin. But, but in Christ, and by the leading of the Spirit, as the Apostle Paul puts it, we've got the liberty to battle our flesh. And we all have to battle it in Christ. And if we don't want to, then it's showing that it's not the Spirit that's leading us. It's the flesh. It shows that we haven't understood freedom at all. Which being led by the Spirit is. I remember somebody once telling me that he was being led by the Spirit to do something that was completely against the Word of God. I've heard this more than once, actually. But the person wanted this so badly that he had convinced himself that what he wanted was what the Spirit wanted. Because that's what it felt like to him. It didn't matter that if he opened his Bible and he saw what the Spirit-inspired Scripture said, that that was completely against what he said the Spirit was telling him. That didn't matter. He had convinced himself that the Spirit had spoken to him in a such a way that contradicted what the Scriptures would say. You know, when you and I are in Christ, we're in for a battle to fight the good fight of faith. And being led by the Spirit is not going to go contrary to the Word of God. Paul's very clear about this. That's why he preaches not only to be saved, but to continue in your walk in the faith. Grow in your faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And don't be complacent in your faith. Don't give up into thinking changes can't come to you because you're old. Well, that's just the way these kind of people are. And that doesn't have to come into my life because I happen to be a Jones or whoever I am. That's just the way we people are. The Church of Galatia needed to grow in the faith. And if they didn't, not only would they have been uh, consumed, they would have, our pastor says, they would have consumed one another. And that's because that's what bad company does to people. It destroys them. It destroys the person. It destroys anybody around them. And it's a gruesome picture that you look at here when it talks about the power of evil. If you bite and devour one another in verse 15, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. There's spiritual cannibalism that goes on when we let the flesh take over. And how does that happen? Well, the Apostle Paul says it's gratifying the sinful nature. Letting it go. Giving it opportunity. And then he says that what happens here is that what, what's going to happen if you talk about the spiritual cannibalism is that it destroys relationships with the family. It destroys relationships uh, uh, with God. It destroys 
relationship with the family of God and it destroys the, the individual. All four of those things are found in our passage. We're going to touch on those in a second. The first thing it says is it speaks about the attack on the family. The works of the flesh are immorality, unlawful intercourse, unlawful relationships, unclean thoughts, and desires, debauchery, lack of control over your passions. And all of those things are anti-family. They destroy families. That very building block of peace and order and communion, the building block in God's covenant relationship with His people. You see why you have to battle those things. You have to battle those family attacks for your own sake, for the sake of your children and upcoming generations. But then the works of the flesh also attack God. It says through idolatry, anything which substitutes God is number one. Anything that keeps you from worship. Are you kept from worship? Is something keeping you from worship? That's idolatry. Idolatry takes priority to such an extent that your calling to serve and trust the Lord and praise Him takes number two. Sorcery, psychics, superstition, trusts in cards to be your trust instead of the Lord. Many are duped by those things today because that's all that they trust in their desperate situations. They'll, they'll call psychic hotlines to try to figure out what the future is going to bring instead of following the Lord. It's idolatry. The works of the flesh attack the family of God. We see that here too. Hatred. Hating a Christian because of his color. Uh, we can't get away from differences of opinion in this world, but there's no reason to hate somebody who shares the faith with you. There's no reason to hate them. And that doesn't do you any good. That doesn't do him any good when together you form one body. Discord. These vices flow one into another. The Galatians were having trouble of biting and devouring and provoking and envying. They couldn't live without a fight. For them, for them life wasn't a, a life if you couldn't fight about something. You had to be able to fight about something. They couldn't rejoice in the blessings of others because life was about fighting. So the bond of peace was, was weakened. Jealousy is with envy. It's a work of the flesh where we can't rejoice in somebody else's blessing. We just brew over the fact that we didn't get it. And how does that promote harmony? Somebody else gets something that you didn't get? Can't you just be happy for them? Instead of wondering, well, maybe they got that thing illegitimately, or I wish I had gotten that thing. Rejoice with those who rejoice. What good are we to others in that kind of state? Fits of rage. We can't control our emotions, and, and we say something that we regret later. That doesn't do any good for others or ourselves. Selfish ambition. Where our motives for doing anything are for our own honor. That's not true blessing for the church. It denies the communion of the saints. Dissensions, factions occur because we don't have the big picture in mind. And the glory of, of the Lord in mind. The results, they're the results of selfish ambition. And then there's the abuse of alcohol that brings on attacks of the self. A waste of money. The waste of one's time. 
the loss of control, the loss to the body. That's a work of the flesh. And Paul says, and, and then there's other things. And things like these. And he could have mentioned more things, but they're enough to remind people, warn people, they've got a calling to battle. They have to battle the works of the flesh because if they think they can live like they want, he says, you won't inherit the kingdom. Because it shows you're not led by the Spirit at all. You're, you and I are called in our freedom to fight against ourselves. And if we do, then what happens? Freedom for what? It's the freedom to serve. But through love, serve one another. We move forward. Being led by the Spirit means being directed and controlled by the Spirit on the road to glory. Now, being led by the Spirit, you see, is not like somebody who works in a store. You know, you walk into a store and, and you say, hey, you know where I can find the sugar? I've never been in this place before. And then they just kind of point you in a general direction. It's about four aisles over. Okay, I'll try to find it. No, it's more like the one when you ask them, can you tell me where the sugar is? And they say, yeah, let me show you. And until you get to the sugar, he doesn't leave your side. And you go, thank you. Now I see where it is. You were with me every step of the way. You led me there. And that's what the Spirit is like. He's, he's like the, the pillar of fire in the desert in the Old Testament days. And He leads you to the promised land. And He doesn't leave you. He doesn't just point you there. He leads you there. And He calls you not just to be alive in the Spirit, but to walk in step with Him. And to follow Him all the way to the promised land. And how's that done? Well, it's the opposite of the sinful nature, of the works of the flesh. When we're free... We serve, and that's the paradox of the Christian life and of Christian faith. We're free to serve. We want to think we're free to do whatever we want. Or we're going to be free by seeking to gain Christ somehow. No, we're free to serve. And then you don't devour, but you build. And you do what you are. You're, you're alive in the Spirit and you live in that spirit. You're fruitful. You're productive. You show that you're connected to the vine and that you've been liberated not only from the curse of the law but the inability to do good. And how do you see it? How do you see it? Well, well, how do you see it? it it's the fruit of the Spirit on which we'll focus. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Nine characteristics that are supposed to be evident in every place we find ourselves, but especially within the church of Jesus Christ. The basic qualities of love, joy, and peace. The social qualities of patience, goodness, kindness. Our basic relationships, faithfulness to God, gentleness to others, and self-control for ourselves. We want to look at those a little more closely 
to understand them better and to reflect on how or if they're being displayed in our own lives as we're called to be free in Christ. So that's what we hope to be able to do, the Lord willing, in the weeks to come. Because we've been called to be free and call, God calls us through Christ to that. He calls us to be free from legalism, to fight the flesh that says, do what you want, and to be free to serve. Christ the Savior and the Lord has called us to be free in Him. To profess that freedom and to display that freedom with the fruit of the Spirit. Which is a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are grateful uh, that Christ calls us to freedom. And it's not freedom in legalism, and it's not freedom in being licentious and think, well, we can just do whatever we feel like. But it begins, first of all, in knowing Christ as our all in all. It's to know the blessing of His power to transform our status with You and transform our hearts so that instead of living like the world, we live according to Your Word and in the power of Your Spirit and we seek to be of service to you and to those around us. And so, Lord, we're glad for these reminders that your word gives or the instruction that it gives to us to see what real freedom is. We find no freedom in legalism. We find destruction in living as we please. But we find real freedom in Christ and his righteousness and the desire in light of His righteousness, to live like He does, in accordance with Your ways and work. So may we see, Lord, in the weeks to come too, as we see how that freedom is expressed through the fruit of the Spirit and put on display, may we appreciate again Your direction from Your Word and allow ourselves to be reflective of what this power and what this fruit looks like in the lives of Christians. And uh, may we see it on display all the more all the time in our lives, dear Father, we pray. In a manner worthy of the gospel, the gospel of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.